0: Welcome back everyone to the Batflip Podcast. My Damien, my Jesus Christ, my name is Damien here with my co-hosts, Matt and David. Uh, we have some new intro music as you guys heard uh, right there getting a little fresh start to the podcast and we're going to have an announcement just after we go through the rundown here uh, so on this episode we're going to go through julio rodriguez signs a massive extension we have some mlb rule changes that are coming to 2023 uh, the i'm minor doing are good I a bit of a as a hectic day um and then some uh, other Matt, slash injury news but before we get to all that how you doing david
1: doing pretty well. Uh, I think we've both had some car troubles. So, um, I, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, doing good. Um, you know, been just hanging out, looking forward to doing an episode. It's been a few weeks. So
0: yeah, been a few weeks. We had a, 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 co-host get sick. And then we had, I was on vacation actually in Chicago with David, uh, went to Wrigley field for the first time, saw a game. There was pretty fun and saw the whole city of Chicago. And when we were back there, uh talking david yeah, and i'm excited uh you know i've to, been on a couple of times now and i, guess we're just now, and I feel like here, uh, to make you know, david we a really third well time, together a and i know matt I, I'm, I'm the one on who the introduced damien and matt so um you know it's it's a good thing to have a i think you know three pretty good friends being able to talk having uh good voices and stuff and you know, these guys know a lot about baseball and i'm just you know honored to also get to throw my two cents in here every now and again um uh, it's going to be fun, and, you know, we got to, you know, I kept telling Damian last week to uh, have a live show at Wrigley Field, you know, and but uh, he, he didn't want to do that. So uh, for everyone who wants, you know, us to go live show Wrigley Field, you know, that can be done, but uh, we got to get Damian on board. I don't know if you can do a live show from Wrigley since I'm here in, in California, but we, the you know, the whole plan of this is to have three co-hosts where we can be really flexible on schedules. Maybe get more episodes out to you guys on weeks so where one co-host, you know, can't really do it, um, and the potential of, of live streaming some games, you know, later on and and through our YouTube channel or however it is, and outreach to you guys more. We really feel that a third co-host and a guy like David, who is you know one of our friends that we are constantly talked to. It's um, been on the show, and every time he's on, we, I, I at least get feedback about how the f- show flows so much better. Everyone really enjoys the insight that you bring, the way that you allow the show to flow better for for all of us here. And I think Matt, I think you kind of feel the same way.
1: Yeah, I mean, with when Davian you know, said something to me about it. I said, that that sounds great because I I do feel like even when we're recording, like it feels like we're flowing better. And, you know, David and I have similar enough opinions on baseball to where, you know, we're not always just arguing at each other, but, you know, we're, we have a little bit different opinions. So there's a little bit of, uh, just some discussion, a little more discussion, you know, here now. And, And with three of us being here, uh, you know, I think, uh, it might be a little bit more informative, a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more entertaining to hear some different opinions too i think that's uh that's one of, the most, one of my favorite things about baseball is a lot of sports you know there's not there's not that many uh you know there's no not really two ways about it but baseball you can have just so many opinions you got the statistical side you got the analytical side you got the um, you know the eye test just you know and, and then kind of the way the game is played there's just so many different things you can diagnose and and look at with the game of baseball and i think that uh you know adding adding more opinions, adding more, uh, insights. That's just going to make the show better. And I'm uh, super excited. Like I said, I, I'm, I, uh, David and I have been, have known each other for a, quite a while now, five or six years now. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm excited to have him on and it'll be, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely sounds like it will be a a good time moving forward David I know you got to you got to go we, we uh Damien's the got the better here. player of with the week. Uh, with your car troubles and everything it's been a hectic well, day there, but you got any uh, last second thoughts before you Ah he's on my dynasty, dynasty episode. Team. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right you want to you, you want to say why
1: there it is. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, it. I know it's why. uh David, right, well, it, thank you so down, much for making time to, to go on to this, this one, intro but, uh, and uh, I we can't wait to have you full time on the show starting next to, week.
0: Uh, kind of relax after what's been a bit of a crazy day. So uh, I'm looking forward to next week. Absolutely. So we'll talk to you next week. Uh, so fun little announcement Matt that we had there with David uh, making him a full-time co-host uh, and on the show and, and I know it's a lot we've talked about behind the scenes but let's go ahead and, and slowly transition our way into what we have to talk about since it's been a few weeks a lot of stuff has happened and some some pretty big items um, of news here for us but we'll go ahead and start with the Julio Rodriguez extension that he signed with the Seattle Mariners. Um, it's a really weird extension. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces that we still don't, I don't even think comprehend everything there. Uh, but the deal is really for a 210 million at 12 years. That is through 2023 through 2029 that has a club option that the Mariners can pick up for 2030, but they have to decide that after the 2028 season. Um, and if the team declines that, then he gets an option for five years, 90 million That takes him to 2034. That's where you get the guaranteed at least of 210 over the next 12 years. Um, But the deal can overall max out at $470 million while the escalators and options and everything are picked up.
1: Yeah, so I'm not even going to start to figure out kind of what this deal actually is from each side, Um, you know, kind of like what the baseline is for what the Mariners are going to be required to pay, uh, What you know, when Julio Rodriguez could become a free agent, I believe it's 2028 now, um, uh, 2029, so, 2029. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, basically, you know, when it comes to this deal, I feel like there's a couple different things. The first thing is that, um, I, I think his, he's not, I think they only bought out one year of free agency because I think that he would have been a free agent in 2028 if it wasn't for this deal. Is that correct?
0: Uh, I believe so. Right. I, I believe so because he just made his debut this year in the six years of service time. Right. Yeah, so it, it it would be twenty twenty eight. Um, so I think they it was one year that they bought out that way.
1: Right. So so the Mariners really they got a, they got one extra year of control. Um, and I think maybe depending, there's some escalator in there that if he if he finishes somewhere in MVP voting. Then he stays with the Mariners, like his player options go away or something, Um, if I'm not mistaken, but it becomes that 400 something million. Either way, the Mariners are on the hook for a lot of money here, Um, you know, and and really they're just buying out one year of free agency. Julio Rodriguez just became a super rich guy because... I mean, at bare minimum, he's going to be making $209 million. This, the guy's 21 years old, and he's a rookie. So, uh, obviously, it settled all the arbitration. He's going to get paid more money early, which is always good for a young player who, you know, has been in the minor leagues. Uh, but here's, uh, you know, talk about Julio Rodriguez, the player. Um, he's been insanely good in his rookie year. I mean, he's in norm, normal years, he'd be just easy runaway rookie of the year. But, you know, this year he's probably rookie of the year. He's got a little bit of competition with, you know, Adley Rutschman's been killing it. Uh, But, I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely been, you know, four and a half wins above replacement, you know, a 141 WRC plus, uh, 24 stolen bases. He's run well. Uh, Probably could work on the approach just a little bit at the plate. But other than that, um, you know, he's been incredible. And he'll just continue to get better. Uh, in fact, his zips projections have him at over four war, you know, going forward, which is, you know, for a 21 year old is pretty insane. So, um, you know, moving on to, um, moving on to his, the contract, it's always a risk when you put that much money into a guy. I mean, we're seeing it right now with, with Tatis. I mean, you just never know how it'll go, but if things kind of go as, as they look like they'll unfold, uh, you know, this is a good deal for both sides really. So, um, congrats to julio rodriguez and and congrats to the mariners they locked down their superstar for a long time to come
0: yeah and like you mentioned he how good he is at 21 and just going to continue growing so much and to to get that player you know it's 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 good for both sides it it shows the mariners are serious about wanting to start contend and taking care of their young guys now um and then for julio rodriguez he gets more money now than he would he might you know, he, he might have cost himself a few million dollars in the long run through the arbitration, but I mean you're still talking about if the deal maxes out at four hundred and seventy million, and I believe it's I don't even know how long the deal would I think it's twenty thirty-four is the max it can go through, I wanna say. Um, so at that point he would still be like through his age thirty three season. So he could still go out to the market and get, you know, another four or six year deal. I mean, who knows what we're looking at that year. You know, at that time with the DH and and all that stuff, uh, how it prolongs careers, he could still go out and get, you know, another hundred million dollars or something at that point. So it's it's really kind of cool to see a guy, you know, most of the time these young guys and teams either. Hey, we want to wait. We want to play through the arbitration process. We want to keep the lower salary number. We want to just renew the contracts. And when it gets to that arbitration time, then we might talk about, you know, a deal there to take away a free agent year and give you some more money that we know what it's going to look like moving forward. Um, so I, I think it's really good for both sides to to agree on something, to lock something down, and to pay a player early for the production you're getting now, and then just you know kind of save yourself a few million later on down the line. But let's go ahead and jump over to probably the biggest news that we had happen, and that ha- was over this past week. MLB announced the rule changes that will be coming uh, for the 2023 season. Most of them are, are stuff we have pretty much expected uh, to to you know, come into the game. Some of them we thought was going to come through the, the collective bargaining agreement that we had throughout the offseason. Um, but the first one that is or has been confirmed is the pitch clock. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that goes in with it, but uh, initially there will be a 30-second timer between batters um, that will, the, the pitch must be you know started or the action within the 30 seconds. Between pitches with nobody on base, there's a 15-second timer. And with runners on base, it will be a 20-second timer. Um, and they have limited pickoffs to two times through the at-bat. You can do it a third time, but if you miss it, the player automatically gets to uh, move up to the next base. And there's a lot of other things that have to happen with the batter has to be in the box at the 8-second mark. A lot of moving pieces there, but the base base of it is 30 seconds between batters, 15 uh, seconds with nobody on, 20 seconds with runners on with a you know, during an at bat. So, how do you feel the game is, is going to change with that moving forward? I know we've seen it in the minor leagues so far.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I don't have a problem with the pitch clock. I, honestly, I, I watch a lot of college baseball too, and they've had a pitch clock for years, and you can really not, you really can't tell a difference when it comes to, you know the you can tell a difference when it comes to the pace of the game, but like the quality of the pitching and hitting and stuff, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. Honestly. Uh, I think that in the big league, you hardly ever notice it. I think in the big leagues, um, there's probably a few pitchers that are notoriously slow that are going to have to adjust. But, um, you know, I think that it's, um, I think that it's definitely something that's interesting. The, the pickoff thing might end up being kind of weird. Um, you know, and, and honestly, it might be good for the game because it it could increase the amount of times someone steals bases. If you got a limited number of pickoff throws, it might make you a little bit more reluctant to throw over. So, um, you know, because because if you throw once over, throw twice over, well, then you they know you're not throwing over unless you, you know, unless you're willing to, you know, give up the base without if you don't get them out. So. Uh, You know, the the marathon, throw it over 30 times before a pitch, that kind of stuff, you know, not going to happen anymore. Um, I'm sure that there will be some complaints about that from from pitchers and and from managers and stuff. But uh, the you know, and then having the batter, it could affect the game a little bit, too, with the batter, you know, having to stay in the box because, you know, that, you know, you watch a lot of big games and late games, something trying to throw off a pitcher's rhythm. You know, how many times does the batter call time? And then everyone's blaming the pitcher for not throwing. Well, the batter keeps calling time. So uh, I think it's probably good for the pace of the game. I think that's probably the most positive move out of the three that we got.
0: Yeah, so and just to just to clarify the, the, the what would happen if you didn't make the timer. Uh, if you don't make a timer, it's an automatic ball if you're the pitcher. And if you're the batter, it becomes an automatic strike. If you're not yeah. within the box on the eight second mark um, in the article I was reading, it doesn't say anything about how many times a, a batter can call time. Um, so I would assume maybe that's only once per at bat or something. Um, that That's something that we'll have to see. Um, I don't know if it, how they all count that. Um, yeah.
1: And of course that's also to the discretion of the umpire. If right. the umpire, they might put an emphasis on, you know, if he's got a bug in his eye, let him call time. If he's, you know, they doing it to mess a, with the pitcher if he's just doing it like three two or three four times then you know don't let him slow the game down that much just just let it just let the pitcher throw you know yeah so
0: yep so one of the other rules that we had because i'm going to save the big one for for last one we've talked about a lot the the second rule that we had changed is that the bases are going to get a little bit bigger so right now they're traditionally a 15 inch square um Starting next year, they will be an 18 inch square, and obviously, home plate is not going to be included in that. It's just the first, second, and third base um, bags. The idea here is to give the players and fielders a little bit more room to operate. We've seen a lot this year of collisions at first base, people getting stepped on. And then with how fast runners have to go into second base and third base now, you see them often come off the bag a little bit more. You see a lot more collisions there with fingers and hands. and It's just to give the fielder and the player a little bit of more room to kind of operate around the bag and and, uh, make it a little bit safer.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you're probably not going to be able to tell too much of a difference with this change either. But, uh, you know, you might see guys, maybe you might be, be able to see some players ha- show their athleticism just a little bit more, be a little bit more creative with their slides than they even are now. I mean, that's become such a big thing in the last several years is being real creative with your slides and being able to, you know, swim, move and, you know, get a, go to the outside of the bag and stuff. And that gives you an extra few inches to work with. Uh, and then I'm glad that first base, but I mean, we've seen so many times, um, you know, guys get hurt, you know, especially pitchers running over, trying to find the bag while they're catching the ball, um, you know, step on first base and, and, you know, not, there not being a lot of room there and obviously, you know, get stepped on, get your ankle stepped on, you know, that could be really bad. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember several cases where that broke a pitcher's ankle, you know, I, I uh, and that's never a good thing. So uh, you know, for safety reasons, I think that's good at first base. And then the other two, I think it's more of a competition, you know, maybe trying to increase the the running on the base paths a little bit more. Uh, but I think both of those rules kind of encourage running a little bit more, which is really, a, I think, a good thing for, for the game to have more stolen bases, have that excitement between pitches, you know, have to showcase that skill of that speed just a little bit more again. Um, you know, that's something that we've seen go, go away a lot recently. So, Maybe, uh, maybe bringing that back will be will be a good thing.
0: Yeah, and, and part of me actually thinks that this might be a bigger on-field product change than the pitch clock. Um, I mean, think about just the amount of bang-bang plays we have happen right now. Like, even that, I mean, the three inches might not seem like a lot, but when it comes to an instance of, you know, you're consistently seeing routine little cleats, I mean, cleats to when the back of the ball hits the, the back, back of the glove the bang bang plays at first base how quick fielders are going to have to get rid of the ball now um you know and just runners running down the baseline steals i mean steals would be probably be more successful because of both of those like you mentioned um but just going to give those guys a little extra you know a little extra bag to get to i i think it might be a bigger on-field change than the pitch clock honestly because you i think you'll see more people becoming safe on plays and you're going to see fielders have to rush more and potentially making even more mistakes um, while trying to to you know hurry up and make that throw for wherever they got to get to but the the last rule change that was announced at least right now was one of the ones that has been a hot commodity for many many years and it's the the ban of the shift um, there's been many different instances of you know, ways that it could have gone. We've saw the minor leagues do, you know, that little pie shaped from the back of second base to the outfield. Um, They didn't announce that specifically, but what they did announce is that the shift will be coming in the instance of four infielders must be on the infield dirt at all times. And two fielders must be on each side of second base at all times. Um, And that's pre-pitch. So obviously they can go out there as, you know, as the pitch is happening or, or whatever, but um, it, it won't stop them from using a, a shallow fourth outfielder so, or an outfielder. Um, I mean, if you want to bring your right fielder down and have him play that shallow second base, you can always do that, but then you're leaving right field open. Um, no more four-man outfields and no more five-man infields, but um, you know, you, you're not going to see the, the second baseman playing in short right field or, or what you saw a couple years ago with Manny Machado making a catch in the foul line in right field
1: yeah you know if you're gonna ban the shift um i think this is the way to go about it i mean don't make it so complicated with the you know I, the, the the whole like pie shaped thing that was just the dumbest thing i'd ever heard but uh with the infield and marking lines on the dirt that tell you where you have to play like but the the whole uh you know i would i would prefer them not ban the shift at all but if you're going to you know, this doesn't really ban the shift because you could have your shortstop play like a foot to the left of second base instead of like to the, a foot to the right of second base and then have your, you know, have your second baseman play on the very, with his big toe barely touching the, the dirt on both feet, you know, so, I mean, you're still going to see the shift, but it's just not going to be quite as pronounced. You're not going to have the whole like, you know, third base been running around playing right field, shallow right field, having that four man outfield. So I get that to a certain level. Um, I don't really like banning the shift in general. I think that, you know, part of the skill set of the game is that some guys are able to have their swings tailored to hit the ball to all fields. It helps some players who don't have the same kind of power be able to make it to the big league level. Guys like, you know, Stephen Kwan, uh, Joey Wendell, those types of players. Uh, they're guys that uh, I think are, you know, their skill sets going to be taken away a little bit because now, you know, you've got guys like, you know, Matt Olson and, you know, Freddie Freeman and these guys who are, you know, they can just, you know, they've they got, they, they're biggest victims of the shift out there of, and, and they could just pull the ball and hit for a 450 BABIP every year, you know, because nobody can play them how they need to be played. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, um, I don't know if this is going to quite do what the game, what MLB wants it to do to the game. Um, it might increase singles just a little bit, but I don't think it's going to have quite the effect that people think it might. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. And like I say, I don't think it's going to, I don't think this rule's taken so much away from the way that positioning's already done, that it's like unwatchable or anything. I mean, I, you know, if they were doing the pie shape crap that they were talking about, I I would have I would have been really angry about that. But this is this one's okay for me with the uh you know just a real simple rule saying hey you need two players on each side and they need to be on the infield like that's that's okay.
0: Yeah, I don't I, I don't mind the shift right now. I mean, I really don't. It, it it's a, you know to me it's like you you mentioned I, I'm I'm fine with players having to learn to hit the ball all over the place, right? If if you were going to do the shift, the only the shift ban, the only thing I don't like about it. Right. You can say very easily like, hey, make sure both players, you know, two players are on each side of second base. I don't have an issue with that. My thing is, is don't tell them they have to be on the infield dirt. If you still want to have your second baseman play in short right field, well, then you're going to lose that positional advantage of having your second baseman play up short. If the chopper happens right there or they want to do something right, like that should be fine. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you, if you still are so hell bent on stopping that lefty, you know, the lefty hitter that it, you know, pulls the ball hard through the hole right there. If You're still really wanting to stop that. Then you're going to have to lose the advantage of if, you know, they can just hit a soft ground ball that way now. And then it's, you know, more than often they'll be safe.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to go along with your point you're making right now. You know that takes away for the baseball wants to add that speed skill set back into the game on the base paths. So they want to add that you know that ability for, and that takes away because I mean you know you can't really shift a, a fast guy right now in the same way that you can shift like a, you know like or Joey Anthony Gallo Rizzo or yeah like, you know they're gonna shift at Anthony Rizzo by playing their, all their guys in the outfield because they know he can't run. But then you know when you know Michael Harris comes up and he's one of the faster players in baseball that pulls the ball on the ground a lot. You know, you're not going to shift him with the guy in the outfield because he's fast. So, right. you know, you're not gonna throw him out. So that that's something that I think it, you know, that's an unintended consequence of this is that I think that it makes it a lot easier for, you know, guys. Who, it makes it a lot harder for speed guys to make it into the, you know, to, to have an advantage with their speed. Um, although, like like I say, I you know, I don't know how many hits a year that really get affected by that. I mean. You know, it, it, it's like it might add five hits a year for some players with this change and it might take away five hits a year from other players like it, I don't think it really makes that big of a difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, it won't make a, pl- a difference on single player based. I mean, I don't think at least all that much like all you're allowing is you're giving them more of an opportunity that their hard hit balls will be hits. I mean, we, we primarily see it with lefty hitters, right? Like we primarily see it with the Joey Gallows, with the Anthony Rizzo, with the Matt Olson's. like the lefty power hitters are usually the guys you see this happen. The Jock Peterson, like all it allows is those harder hit balls are going to be able to sneak through a little bit more, right? on a player basis, that's really not a big deal. Like you're mentioning five. I mean, maybe at most 10 hits a year at at most, I think what it does is it, it is the team aspect that they're looking at. Like, well, if that one player gets on, well, now this player comes up with somebody on base. And if they are, you know, not hitting with the shift either. Maybe that adds a 10 hits to them. And then, you know, those 10 hits added to 10 hits. That's 20 hits. And then if it's a double, that becomes a run scored. I mean, there's so many there that I could see why they want to do it from a team aspect. I just don't love totally the way of saying, hey, you have to play here. Like, you have to play this. I mean, I just, I think that's always what I've liked about baseball is you don't have a primary thing of where you have to play. Like, it's a set rule that way. It was kind of really open. Um, And I guess now they've just seen that as being a real issue there. Um, but on, on a grand scale, I don't know how much it's going to change, you know, s- single player wise. I think it's going to change more team wide um, mm-hmm. is where you're really going to see the change. Yeah. Um, the last piece that we had of really big, big news at least was, it was something we were supposed to talk about a couple weeks ago where the uh, minor league players were signing a petition to the MLBPA PA to uh, submit a, a a form to be voluntarily recognized as a union or to unionize themselves, um, and then over the past week we had Rob Manford on one of his media scrums when he was announcing the rule changes um, for that. Uh, Voluntary or said the MLB will voluntarily recognize the minor leagues' efforts to unionize with the MLB Players Association, and it will basically allow the MLB to formally um, collective bargain for the MLBPA to collect jeez I am messing up all day today it will allow the MLB Players Association to collectively bargain for minor league players moving forward
1: yeah so this is interesting I think that well for one thing I don't think it's really matters what MLB recognizes because I mean like they're gonna have to recognize it like it or not I mean so but the the whole like that this has never been done before with the with the MLBPA accepting the minor leaguers into their organization which is something that you know I, I think if we remember, if we remember back I, I think I might have criticized I I know I, I felt this way but I don't know if i ever talked about it on the show criticizing the MLBPA for talking all this stuff about trying to help younger players out and you know a lot of the moves that they made in the collective bargaining agreement were trying to get free agency where you could make more money, um, and I said that they really need to focus in on, you know, if to help the general help players in general, they need to focus in on the minor leagues because that's that's a problem, and I think this is a way that they can attempt to help that. Now, you know, I think that in some ways this could be a good thing because the the players need to have a voice, uh, the minor league players, um, you know, and they need to be able to come together because. It seems like they have never really kind of collectively had had a voice, you know, and, you know, it's just kind of but 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 the problem that they have is that they don't have the same leverage. I mean, you're talking about MLB players have a ton of leverage, a lot of minor league players. There's some minor league players that would have leverage, you know, a lot of uh, really, really high rated prospects, top top rated guys, you know recent draft recent first second third round draft picks you know high paid draft picks high paid international free agents you know they're gonna have a pretty good voice but most minor leaguers i mean you just look at the sheer numbers are guys who were senior signs out of college and are just playing because they like playing baseball and are making their you know low amount of money and just trying to make it in the game and the problem is that they don't have a lot of leverage because. The major leagues, I mean, you're already seeing them cut out some minor league teams and cut down on the amount of, you know, minor league players out there. And I think that these major league owners are just going to say, you know, when they try to come to the bargaining table, say, hey, you know, we're not going to budge on this because we don't really these teams aren't really making us that much money. They're just kind of there. So, you know, all we really need is a developmental league which we could just take our, we can consolidate again and take our, you know, instead of having a low A, high A, rookie ball, double A, triple A, have a A, double A, triple A ball, you know, and take out a lot of these organizational players. I think that could end up being an unintended consequence where you just lose a lot of jobs in the minor leagues, but we'll see. Um, At the end of the day, I think that it would be really, really, really good if they could find a way to, you know, make some improvements. I mean, my God, these guys, and and really from the, from a team standpoint, I don't understand how, you know, if you've got all these top prospects, I don't understand how a team could limit them from uh, just, it's almost impossible to, to develop in the types of conditions that they're in. I mean, you know, they cannot focus anything on nutrition. They can't focus on, you know, healthy habits. They can't focus on their training. Like, in the offseason, they're having to work, you know, a, an extra job or two because they're not making enough money to support themselves, which takes away from the amount that they could be focusing in on getting better at baseball. Like, I don't understand how players develop as it is. And I think that teams that – maybe teams that make on, go on the forefront of this just by choice could end up, you know, helping their organizations out and get have better players in general. But either way – I think this will be interesting to see how this unfolds. And the one other thing I'll say too, it's going to be a long time before we see any consequences of this, because the way unions work, this announcement happened, but it's going to be like, it takes a long time for this to get legally recognized. I know MLB is recognizing it and the players associations recognizing it and stuff, but there, there's a long process to get this to where they even come to a bargaining table it could be five years before that happens so it's something to look forward to in the future and it's very important news um, and you know it'll be interesting to see what happens as it unfolds
0: yeah i'm not entirely sure what it's going to look like um you know moving forward in five years in ten years like what what is that what is that goal is is the minor league players agreement you know, along with the CBA of the, of MLBs, you know, the MLBPAs one, like does that expire when the, the regular CBA expires? Is that when they start their negotiating processes? What is, that? I think it's 2026 after that is, is that, I think it's a five-year deal that, that we got now with the newest CBA. Um, is that when the negotiations start? Are negotiations already starting? Like what, what in grand aspect is it going to be? I mean, it, obviously they're going to fight for better pay, better, you know, facilities, better travel, better, you know, all around the everything they they want to upgrade their their quality of life, their style of life in the minor leagues. But to what extent? To what point is that going to get to? When does that happen? I mean, there's there's so many more questions I think that this this opens up. Um, you know, we've saw the push for minor league baseball over the last year really start kicking into high gear. We saw them already get you know, housing included. We've already seen them up minor league pay. Um, You know, we've seen some of the other things that some minor league teams or some major league teams are, are, you know, providing better nutrition options for the minor leagues. We've seen this gradually start happening, but for them to get into the union, it's a big, big deal. But I think that opens up more questions. How is everything going to happen? When is everything going to happen? What's it going to look like, Um, you know, like you said is it going to is it going to be like hey maybe we we got the quality better but now we're losing the quantity like are we gonna have less jobs now because we wanted the, the quality of the job to be better which is not necessarily a bad thing like like you mentioned the conditions that they work in now and that they are able to or not able that they live in now they have to to be able to, to live out this dream it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not anything good for any of these players. The the developmental path has been very, very hard for a long time. How can you improve that while also not losing the amount of players you have down there? Um, that That's going to be fascinating to see how it really unfolds moving forward and what this really, at the end of the day, what it really looks like. And is this something that's going to continue to be a thing? Or, I mean, are we going to have a, um, you know, when they go to the negotiating table, is it going to be something where the MLBPA is able to agree to a major league CBA, but then a, not a minor league CBA? I mean, what, what happens? I mean, there's so many questions that have to be asked and answered that we will undoubtedly be getting over the, you know, the next five years or so uh, to keep getting those answered. But let's go ahead and move on to another story we had. It's a milestone watch that we're on. Um, it's the the chase for Albert Pujols to get to 700 home runs, um, and he's hit back now to 497. I believe the last time we we updated it, he was at 491, but now he's got up to 497 yeah, and moved. He's said
1: about three. He said about 200 more than you're saying.
0: Oh, 697. Jesus, I don't know why I had 400. I don't know. Don't. I've been messing up all day long. Don't even regard this, okay? It's 697. Jesus, I'm literally looking at the screen where it tells me, and I still mess that up so many times. Um, he's moved into fourth all-time, passing Alex Rodriguez on the all-time home run list. He is now behind Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, but he's on the chase for 700. He's got three more to hit, and he's got about two to two and a half weeks to do it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, how much fun has this been really? It's been crazy. Um, just watching Albert Pujols play, like, you know, at the plate be like, you know, I don't know if I'd call him, you know, 2010 Albert Pujols or something or 2000, you know, 2009 Albert Pujols, but he's been really good this year at the plate. Uh, it's been his best year since his last time he was in St. Louis. Um, you know, and, and I'm really kind of disappointed he's not getting more playing time this year. I mean, that might be part of the reason that he's been so successful is just having that little extra rest at age 42. But, um, you know, it's been really cool to watch. Um, we'll see if he gets there. I mean, we've got I think we got three weeks left. Right. Because we have, you know, two weeks. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, and then we have to they play into October because it's been pushed back. So,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, he'll have to hit probably like, what, you know, one a week. To get mm-hmm. there. I mean, it, it's doable. I mean, hell, he had a two-homer game that was almost a three-homer game earlier this month. So he could do it in one. He could do it any night. It, it's possible. I mean, it's not likely he would do it in one night, but it's possible. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm excited. Um, the Cardinals are going to be a fun team to watch down the stretch just, just for that reason. And, you know, some of these home runs, I mean, I think his last one he hit a couple nights ago was like a game go ahead Homer in the ninth inning too. I mean, he's helping the Cardinals an awful lot, uh, which is cool to see him. You know, it's not just Albert Pujols is playing well. I mean, he's legitimately been a solid player for a contender again, which is always, which is so much fun to see uh bringing him back has been everything st louis had hoped for this year and honestly i know he doesn't want to but honestly he could probably play again next year the way he's looked this year you know give it another go if, if he doesn't get the 700 but uh you know if he played next year he could potentially get to ruth but uh yeah. i don't think that's gonna happen so
0: no he's been pretty firm that this was yeah. this was it for him Um, although, you know, if you look at the, you look at the, the stats for him, if he came back next year as literally just strictly a lefty killer, I mean, this year against lefties, it's been 116 plate appearances. He has three, he's batting 363 with 12 homers. Like that's really, really good. Now, if you go against righties, he's batting 200 with six homers in more plate appearances, 171 plate appearances. Like. He's he's still really good against lefties. I mean, he can still get the job done. He can he can hit the occasional righty if you if you miss an off speed pitch to him, he struggles to catch up to the, the fastball. You know, especially against righties. You know, to this day still. But I mean, man, it's it's there was a long time there where I, you know throughout the season that I didn't think it was even feasible that he would get there. Now looking at it and like, hey, you need to hit like one a week. I mean, you could really see that. I mean, you really could, especially even if he gets, you know, hot and has a two homer game or a two homer week. I mean, then it gets really easy at that point. Um, and I think it's just it's, I am relishing it for sure. But I think everyone it's able to relish this opportunity because it's going to be a long time until we see somebody, you know, that's able to reach these marks again. Um, I think who's the next active player on the on the list? I think it's Miguel Cabrera. He's at five uh, five hundred and six. And then, like Nelson Cruz, I mean the next like real active players, John Carlos Stanton, who's at three hundred and seventy three. Yeah,
1: and he, and, I don't think he'll be healthy enough to make it.
0: Well, he's already thirty two. You know, yeah, so it's like,
1: I mean, anything like remotely close to five. Like I, I'm thinking five hundred. Like,
0: yeah, I can mean, maybe make five hundred. you're looking at the next five hundred option. Yeah. I mean, who is it really? I mean, Harper, maybe. I mean Erinado. I mean Stan could get there. He could. I mean, I mean he could technically get there, yeah. but I, I don't know. I, it, there's a lot to be to be said there, but it's just I'm relishing every opportunity we get to watch Albert Pools right now because it's 100%. been legitimately fun to watch him be kind of rejuvenated in St. Louis and know that you know maybe the maybe the rejuvenation is knowing that this is it and having more fun on each day. Um, and being back there with Yachty and, and Adam Wainwright, who were staples of that franchise for so long.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, one other, just, you know, while we're talking about milestone updates, um, you know, we could end up having a fourth member of the 700 home run club, and uh, I believe, what what would be, the fifth member of the 70 home, I mean, the 60 home run club, fifth or sixth, because... Yeah. Aaron Judge is now at 57. He's hit two homers tonight. So uh, he's only got to hit three more to get to 60 on the year. And he very well could break Maris's Yankee record, which some people believe is the record. But, you know, I don't really, you know, in the record books, it says Bonds. So I think you go with Bonds, even if you might not like him which i don't like it but <laughs> even if it's still that's what the record book says but maris's record does hold a little bit more credence to you know just a team record than than a typical just team record would so um but yeah that thought, thought that was something else kind of to throw out there while, while we're on the the talk about the milestone home runs so
0: yeah absolutely because judge has been on fire um yep. and you know, it would be really cool to if he would able, was able to hit that 62 or 63 homer mark and, and either tie or break the, the record of Roger Maris. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over just a couple other little injury news, things that we'll hit on, and then we'll jump to Player of the Week and wrap the show up. Um, the first one being that Justin Verlander went to the I.L. with a calf injury a couple weeks ago. Sounds like he's starting to ramp his way back, and he might even be back within the next week or so. Um, and then the other injury news is that Tony Gonsolin – Uh, Went to the I.L. with a right forearm strain for the Dodgers. I believe that was two weeks ago as well. Um, He started throwing, but it really hasn't progressed to the way that he's throwing off a mound yet. And they aren't quite sure that he might even be able to return this year.
1: Yeah, so first off with Verlander, uh, the Astros have such a big lead in their division division and they have such a good record that I don't think they're going to have to worry too much about Verlander, Um, you know, just make sure he's fully ready to go. Uh, I would definitely try to get him two or three starts uh, to kind of get back into a rhythm uh, before the postseason. but just uh, be cautious with him because you don't want a 30 or nine year old, any 39, uh, you don't want him, you know, re aggravating an injury that you don't really need to push him on right before the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely something I would be, I'd be cautious with him a little bit. And then, I mean, for Gonsolin, that hurts the Dodgers not to get him back. Um, you know, he was having a great year. Uh, I still don't think he's one of their top pitchers, but, but the Dodgers rotation is a little bit concerning because, you know, we've talked so many times about, you just don't know what you're going to get from Kershaw with his injuries. And he's had, and you know, with Gonsolin out and Bueller out. And I know Dustin Mays come back and, and I think he's looked pretty good, but, um, Yeah. You know, you're missing a few, you're missing a couple of those top end guys that you had. Um, So I don't worry that much about the Dodgers because they're so deep and talented and and they're really good. But uh, you do, you know, worry just a little bit about the rotation going into the postseason. I mean, you know, if they end up having to play a five game series against New York or something and, and you've got Urias versus DeGrom and if Scherzer comes back, you've got Scherzer against, you know, I guess Dustin May would be their second guy. So uh,
0: Kershaw would be, or,
1: or Kershaw if he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're starting to worry just a little bit about it. So, but we'll see what happens. I um, I definitely think the Dodgers will be okay, but you know, it does, you know, those injuries are have piled up in their rotation. So,
0: yeah, it has been. And then you know, with Tyler Anderson's been a great story, but losing Bueller, uh, losing Goncalo if he's not able to come back. I mean, Goncalo's been. Really good this year. I mean, even even being a three starter in your playoff rotation, I mean, you take that from him. Um, and then you know what you've had to do with limiting Andrew Heaney, some who's looked really good in his time when he's pitched, um, but you have to limit him to to keep him healthy. Um, you know, it, it is a bigger concern there. But you know, mentioned the team so deep, and th- there still is time for Gonsolin to come back. I mean, it has been a couple weeks. He has thrown at least, just not off a mound yet. Uh, so it's just one of those like take it day by day and, and see where they go and, and see how it is because he he could still potentially even come back without having to do any uh any rehab stuff but for on the verlander side uh you know that's a big piece for the astros he is their ace he is their their horse the top of the rotation guy there um that you you really need to be back if you want to make your deep run into the playoffs he's he's the guy who on the big game you're gonna put justin verlander out there um he's looked phenomenal coming off the off the Tommy John surgery at age thirty nine, a calf injury. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a big deal. Glad it's not anything to do with the arm. If you let it rehab some, take it slow on him. Even if he makes one start before the postseason, I mean, you know, to see what Verlander's done this year coming off Tommy John at thirty nine, I have no worries about. Even if he doesn't pitch until the postseason again, right now that he'll come out and be just fine. He's looked like vintage Verlander, and he looks he's looked so good so far this year that. I'm not I'm not too worried as long as the Astros aren't too worried, you know, that he'll he'll be able to make the recovery and, and be back at least for the postseason. But let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week and wrap it up. So who do you have for your hitter this week?
1: So my hitter this week is a guy who we've talked about a lot as being really good because he's one of the best players of all time. But uh that would be Mike Trout. He is been insane this week um it looks like today i'm not sure if their game is completely over but it might have ended but he had been on a seven game home run streak uh so i think it might have ended already today uh they were playing against cleveland but it looks like he didn't hit a home run today so uh but he had been on a seven game home run streak uh he with, with obviously he, he didn't have it. I don't think he had any multi-homer games in there, so it would be seven home runs. But um, it's been a uh, you know after he came back from injury, he's he's looked he's finally got back into a rhythm. Uh, over the past week, he's hit 350 with a 409 on base and a well above one slugging percentage. Uh, and he struck out. Uh, his strikeout rates come down some, you know, in the past week because that's kind of been his problem this year. Uh, but uh you know a low batting average on balls in play has not hurt him enough because well his balls that he's hitting are going over the fence but um, definitely been a good week for mike trout uh, the back seems to be healthy right now which is really good so um, you know I'm glad to see him out there playing well
0: yeah it's it's so fun watching mike trout play um you know and we've kind of I, w- I don't want to say robbed but we've we've not been able to see that over the past couple years. I mean, he's battled the injuries over the past couple years and even the back injury this year. And at the time, I mean, when we heard about the back injury and then the stories from him, we didn't know if he'd come back this year. We didn't know if he was going to come back at all. I mean, there was fear for a little while that it was going to be a career ending back injury and to see him able to come back and deal with what he's had to deal with through that and play just as good as we've ever seen Mike Trout play and look, look just as athletic and, and look like everything's still there. The, the burst of speed, the power, the, the eye. I mean, everything is still there. It's not like he's having to sacrifice anything to make this happen. It's been really fun to see, and I'm really, really glad that, you know, we're able to see the best player. I mean, who's in the conversation to be the best player of all time back to being himself because uh, the game needs it and the game is so much better and fun when you, can, when you see that guy out there. But for my hitter this week I ended up going with Bo Bichette from the Toronto Blue Jays. He's really had a past couple weeks that have been insane but so far uh, over the last week he's hitting 480 with a 536 OP, uh, on base percentage and a over one slugging as well for a 351 WRC plus almost a full win above replacement. Uh, had three homers, nine runs, nine RBIs uh, walked a little bit more than he normally does. He's at 7%. 14% strikeout rate, which is a little lower than he normally does. Um, and he's kind of carried the Toronto Blue Jays offense. Um, I know, and I think it was, it might not even be on these stats, but there he had a doubleheader against the Orioles. I believe it was last Tuesday or yeah, I think it was last Tuesday. He had like three homers throughout the doubleheader and like six or seven RBIs that day alone. Um, and he's really just kind of carried that Blue Jays offense. Who's been struggling as of late
1: yeah so you know bo Bichette's a guy who everyone's kind of talking about how he had been disappointing this year and then all of a sudden like over the past you know definitely the last couple weeks but over the past month or two he's kind of turned back into the guy we kind of thought he might be i mean he's got a he's up to a 128 wrc plus on the season now and today i mean not in, he's played in a double header today and he's got three hits and nine plate appearances today so um you know, he's been really, really, really good uh, as of late. And uh, he's brought a stat line on the season. He's up to four war on the season. So uh, definitely a, a good uh, good season for Bo Bichette after what for a while looked kind of rough. But uh, he's definitely turned the corner back around.
0: Absolutely, he has. Uh, so who do you have for your pitcher this week?
1: So my pitcher this week, I went ahead and picked a guy who I think he gets – he gets, uh, you know, swept under the radar just a little bit, you know. He, had, in 2020, just had an insane season in the shortened year and won the Cy Young. Really should have won the MVP too, but, you know, over the past, uh, you know, this season and last season, he's still been really good, just maybe not quite the same guy, as he was in, in that shortened season. But, he, um, it's Shane Bieber. Over the past two weeks, uh, 14 innings pitched or 14 and a third innings. Uh, he's only given up, I believe, uh, you know, one run in those, uh, in those innings. Um, you know, he's pitched to, which is to a 126 ERA or one earned run. Um, he's, you know, striking out guys. He, he's not walking guys. Um, you know, in the season, uh, you know, he's up to 173 innings, which after last year, he batt- battled some injury. Um, you know, he'll probably get close to, to 200 innings, um. You know, maybe just a couple innings shy of that, you know, depending on how those last four or five starts go. But uh, you know, a 2.91 ERA on the season now, a 2.83 FIP. He's up, up above four wins above replacement. Uh, Shane Bieber has been really, really good this year, and people aren't haven't really talked about him too much. But I wanted to throw him in here, not, not just because he's had a great couple of weeks, but you know, one other thing too is that that Cleveland has kind of taken over that division. They've got a three-game lead now, so uh, you know, it's just a few weeks to play. So they, you know, they're kind of, I mean, they haven't pulled away. It's not over yet, but, uh, they've definitely put themselves in a good position and Shane Bieber has been a a very large part of that. So I thought it was a good, good opportunity to shout him out a little bit.
0: Yeah. He really has flown under the radar this year. Um, you know, I know he started off pretty rough, but I mean, he was coming off an injury from last year and, you know, he was, I mean, we've seen a lot of the stuff with his spin rates and stuff. He was a big merchant of the Sticky Stuff uh, ban or crackdown. But, I mean, overall, if you look at it, he's having his best full season he's ever had. I mean, 2020 in the 77 innings, he had a 163 ERA, a 262 expected ERA with a 207 FIP. And the X FIP was insane as well. But, I mean, looking at it this year, a 291 ERA, the expected ERA is still a little high, but a 283 FIP and a 3 X FIP. I mean, he's been just as good, if not better than we've seen Shane Bieber outside of that, you know, the what 12 games in 2020. He's been probably the best version of himself. Um, And and, and it's not really been talked about. And he was, you know, one of the high level starters that that 2019 2020 year going even into 2021 through his uh, through his what, 16 games he had last year as well. So he really has flown under the radar, and and people forget how good he really is, and and you know how good his command really is. I mean, he's has what I mean, almost his lowest walk rate ever in his career. I mean, one eight 180, one point eight two walks per nine. His lowest is one point six eight. I mean, it's right there. He's not striking as many people out, but I mean, that's probably just part of the sticky stuff crackdown for him a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's he's fourth in the American League in WAR for pitchers. So. Yeah just he's having a great year and uh, you know and that's behind kevin gossman uh justin verlander and shohei otani so yeah. i mean it's not no shame in that and i think he's no. been he's been he's had a fantastic year so uh he's also pitched more innings than any of those guys too so yeah. Uh, but yeah it's definitely definitely a uh, definitely a great year for shane Bieber.
0: absolutely well, for my pitcher this week, I went with a guy who tied the record for most consecutive quality starts in a season at 24. Just yesterday, and that's Framber Valdez from the Houston Astros as well. Uh, I believe he's at 24 now is the mark, um, and has just been insane this you know this year in general. Over the last week, he had two starts, one against Texas that was six and two thirds. He gave up four runs, but only two of them were earned. Uh, had 11 strikeouts in that game. And then yesterday against Detroit, he went nine innings, six hits, no earned runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Um, on the week, I believe it was – let me get back to it. I hit the wrong page. Uh, a 115 ERA and a 165 fit for leading the league in war for pitching for the week at
1: .7. Yeah, I mean, Fran Valdez is so interesting. He's kind of a, a little bit of a throwback type pitcher. I mean – He's got a 66% ground ball rate. I mean, that's just insanely high. Um, does not give up the home run just because if you don't hit it in the air, it's hard to hit it over the fence. Um, you know, and he, that he's got pretty average strikeout rates, pretty average walk rates, but man, just getting that ball on the ground, that good sinker, good curve ball, uh, guys rolling over it, chopping it right, right into the infield, and, and it plays well to the for the uh, Astros because their infield defense is really good between Bregman at third and Jeremy Pena, who's been incredible at shortstop this year and Altuve still a pretty decent defender at second. So uh, that's been fantastic for, for, for them and it's a good fit for him. And um, man, Framber Valdez has been really good. He silenced a lot of critics who didn't believe that a pitcher could make it in 2022 with average stuff who uh based by you know just pitching well and not giving up a lot of fly balls, getting the ball on the ground, kind of pitching a throwback type of, of guy. So it's a lot of fun to watch him.
0: Yeah, and he's done it with the right team. I mean, I don't yeah. think if you'll see him with a lot of other teams be as successful, but the Astros are one of the best defensive infield teams that you're gonna have. I mean with with uh Bregman, Pena, Altuve, and then at first base it's I mean, Yuli Gurriel's been playing most of the time there, but that's a really good defensive infield. Um, and if you were to go to, I don't know, I mean, if you were to see him in, in Detroit or in Kansas City or, or, or one of those other places, I'm not sure you get the same production out of him. I mean, you, you have to have a strong infield defense, and the Astros have been on the forefront of that, on the forefront of the shifts and the analytical moves there, um, and they've played a lot into that. And I've, it's really helped a guy like Framber Valdez take that extra step forward, um, because he's a guy who, for a couple of years, I mean, he, he looked pretty good the last couple of years, but he n- didn't look near this level. Um, and he's been a guy who you can look at and say he's probably a top of the rotation starter. Now it'll be interesting to see how that plays once you get into a postseason series, um, because usually in the postseason you see the the high strikeout guys kind of take over, um, and, and dominate there where the where the guys who limit the hard contact but get you know don't strike out as many people and the high velocity guys, they usually tend to falter a little bit in the playoffs, but I mean, you could still see a guy like Franber be very successful moving forward.
1: Yeah.
0: But, uh, anything else you want to, you want to wrap up on before we, uh, uh before we wrap up the show?
1: Not too much. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, again, I want to reiterate that, you know, excited about add David to the show full time. Uh, that'll be exciting. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in the baseball world, I uh, just, you know, got about th- three weeks left. Um, Going to be an interesting three weeks. Um, I think that a lot of the divisions are pretty well in hand right now. I haven't really looked, you know, at least the last few minutes, but or last day or two, Uh, you know, the AL Central still a bit of a battle. Um, The uh, NL East is really close. The Braves actually took a lead at one point in the past a few days and uh, had a half game lead. And then they've lost back to back game. they have lost three games in a row. And the Mets have won a couple. So the Mets are back in first place now, but it's, that one's really close. But uh, other than those two, everything's pretty well decided when it comes to the, um, the divisional races. And then the, uh, you know, the wild card races are still interesting, but um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a little bit more discussion on that front next week. Um, you know, with it being the last couple of weeks, um, but definitely interesting uh it's been a fun season um you know maybe in the next couple of weeks we can discuss a little bit of our uh potential you know award type guys uh, a little bit too depending on what all other news might come out so um you know but we'll uh, we'll see what happens and uh just uh it'll be a, it's gonna be a fun finish the season I and mean, we got postseason baseball here in just a few weeks so it'll be, be an interesting interesting postseason can't believe it's already here
0: yeah, it's it's really flown by this year. Um, you know, the division races are, are are wrapping up. We'll start seeing clinch scenarios, um, and clinches start happening. I, I believe uh, last night the Dodgers I, clinched a postseason they, spot. They'll clinch so, tonight if they win or the Padres lose. They'll clinch so, the
1: division. So it was interesting last night. I know you watched probably watched the Dodgers game, but they came out today and said actually they didn't clinch.
0: No, no, no. They hadn't clinched on Sunday right. when they oh, thought yeah. they clinched, but they clinched okay, last night.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I, yeah I, it was
0: It was said that they clinched on Sunday, and then it was a weird scenario where, like, if they lost every single game, the Cardinals had to go, like, exactly, like, 13-7 and the rest of the way. The yeah. Brewers had to go, like, exactly. There were so many. It was literally, like, a four-way scenario that would right. have to happen that they would have lost a tiebreaker in the wild yeah. card. But it's
1: not um, a clinch
0: it's not a clinch. Uh, so th- but they did clinch last night and their magic numbers won for the division so that ha- should happen by the time we talk next week. Yeah, in
1: fact I think they're ahead already tonight. So Yeah,
0: Gallo hit a two run homer already yeah. so. Uh, yeah, but I mean very excited to to bring David onto the onto the show full time now. Um, it's been something that we've kind of discussed, you know, beforehand. I mean David was even one of the ones that I was talking to when, you know, we originally had this idea of making the podcast uh, of having him on. As the co-host and it just didn't work out at the time now it's worked out that we can have all three of us on and i think it's going to be a very big addition moving forward i think it's going to add a lot content wise i think it's going to open up a lot of different options for us uh, moving forward as a as a show and the opportunities that we're going to have moving forward with that um, you know and, and what else that brings we'll see um, but it's a, it's a very exciting step and i think it's a massive change for the show moving forward and, uh, and I couldn't be happier to, to have David on and to have Matt still with us. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Bat Flip podcast. Thank you all for the support. And we will catch you guys next week.